Hey ho, let's go. All right, that was Jim Jones and the High Horse. That band was great. Jim Jones closed down that band, unfortunately, but wow, what a great band they were. Uh, and uh, that song was uh, for uh, for me and Liana. My name is Mark Allendare, and you are listening to the Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving show with Doc Griggs and Dr. Derry. Uh, we're still waiting on Doc Griggs uh, to uh, make uh, his uh, appearance. He says that he was stuck in a little traffic as he was coming to the station. So we're just going to go ahead and get started um, and start talking about some of the public health issues that typically arise on this show. Uh, today's a notable day uh, as the uh, state uh, health department is actually having its first kind of uh, in, um, uh, in-person conference that's being hosted, uh, and we're super excited about that. We got literally the rock stars of public health uh, coming down from all over uh, the state uh, into New Orleans to come and, uh, and give lectures uh, about what some of the updates are for uh, some of the, uh, uh, what some of the updates are in terms of statewide public health uh, endeavors. And I did say rock stars of public health because that is actually a thing. Because public health workers are oftentimes uh, the unsung heroes in the medical field. I know that because I'm both a doctor and a public health practitioner. And uh, as a doctor, uh, I'm very fortunate enough to uh, receive uh, tons of accolades for the work that I do. But it's the work that public health practitioners do um, that is mostly unsung because they actually work uh, in uh, in the background trying to do things. And essentially, the jo- the job of a public health practitioner is to work themselves out of a job. Uh, you know, for example, how do you tackle smoking? Well, if you can eliminate smoking uh, amongst young people or eliminate smoking altogether, eventually a public health practitioner who's kind of uh, geared themselves to tackling smoking uh, I will ultimately work themselves out of a job. And it's, it's not those people who oftentimes in our society get get the accolades. Speaking of accolades, uh, <laughs> speaking of, of public health uh, practitioners and heroes, community health workers uh, and such, uh, the great Doc Griggs, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, he's, I think he's about to ask me for something. <laughs> How about participation? <laughs> Right. I have a, a uh, Benadryl hangover. Today. Uh-oh. Yeah. yeah, you look a little... Uh, yeah, I had hey. an allergic reaction Sunday. Oh, uh, did I'm you? Just, yeah, I'm just kind of... Still kind of shaking it. Yeah. 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 What, what What did you... Uh, so I was, I'm increasing my veggie intake, and I'm slowly moving toward the plant-based, primarily plant-based diet. So yeah. I the, the, that was the day before the research came out that said red meat was red actually... Meat, <laughs> right. Everything's up in... <laughs> Yeah, there, there, there's actually a lot to talk about. about that. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I got this stuff and it had a curry. I bought it at the uh, grocery store. It was frozen. Veggies was really good. Chickpeas and it had a coconut sauce to it. Um, but what I didn't realize that for what they lack and what's missing when you get rid of animal protein is they supplement it with plant protein, which a lot of times uh, happens to be from nuts. And I'm allergic to nuts, and it happened to have uh, cashews in it. And, Uh-oh. Yeah. And how did you find out? I, well, I started, After you had the reaction? Yeah. The, I mean, I started, my throat, the throat started itching. The water work started turning on, so the I vomited eight times. Uh, the nausea vomiting, the rash, did, did the it not, rashes. Did it not have it on the, yeah. on the ingredients? It, so that's the thing. So... <laughs> 
So we can talk about that. The the it was in it was in bold, fine print, like <laughs> like sixteen year old eagle eye fine print. Oh, at the bottom. Oh, by the way, not not fifty four year old yeah, Dr. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, not, I'm not fifty four. I'm not your age. Fifty five. Oh, you're right. Not your, not your age. Um, but yeah, it's uh. Yeah, it's just it, it it throws you back. What what a lot of people don't realize is it's not just the it's not that you're just allergic. Oh, your tongue will swell. No, it's when you're allergic to something, every cell in your body is allergic to that substance, which means that every cell in your body is going to have an immune response, which means get this away from me, get this out of here, which is why you have the nausea, the vomiting, the diarrhea, the increased secretions. Um your uh, immune system goes on hyper alert, which is why you have the overreaction um, that can lead to the uh, anaphylaxis. Uh, and I've done that. I did I just did not feel like. And treatment for that is typically treatment for that typically is the Benadryl. Um, and not the, the not not it's not the first line of defense is not the EpiPen. <laughs> the EpiPen is a heart drug. <laughs> people understand that. Actually, you know, it, it's scary. And if other people have allergies, they know. I quit carrying my EpiPen because the moment I said I'd feel a little itch in my throat, people would be ready to jab me with this <laughs> epinephrine. That is a heart drug. That's a very strong heart drug. It causes vasoconstriction in every part of your body. I've had it administered before for an allergic reaction, and you actually feel it. You feel your heart like someone's grabbing your heart and squeezing and, and pinching, and you have to go to immediately to the hospital. So you have to kind of ride it out. Uh, typically, if someone has a food allergy, uh, you need to trust them to let you know when they're in trouble. Um, you know when things are not normal. Uh, this one was a little scary because there was a cough that started, which meant that there were increased secretions uh, in my oral pharynx or in my mouth and by my throat. <clears throat> and uh, but I got over it. I, I Benadryled and Benadryled and Benadryled, and I'm I'm suffering from a post Benadryl hangover right now. I'm all dried out. Uh, I can see. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I went. I got in, so I was still having the problems with the itches, the random itches, and. Uh, and, and we're weird pains yesterday. So I took a Benadryl yesterday at about four and I woke up about, about, about two, three hours ago and I'm still just like kind of, kind of shaking it off. God bless it. Yeah, you know. So with all that said, uh, as we talk about diets and you were talking about the red meats and the veggies, I don't want to vilify food. We, we, we food. <laughs> if you have allergies, you're so thankful to be able to eat anything that we don't want to really exclude. We just have to be extra, extra careful yeah 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 yeah. and you're doing better now yeah yeah i'm better now got it and so i I, you know i was gonna see if we spend a little bit of time talking about there's a big public health conference today and i was gonna maybe do let's do a little hep c stuff but uh because today the state's gonna roll out some of their formal recommendations in terms of what do you think kind of well before we do that i just wanted to kind of quickly as we we fell into the red meat stuff so let's quickly just kind of let's let's explore that for a second because it's really fascinating i mean you know what does society think when science changes its mind? And and you and I know mm. that science is always there. We never prove anything. The only thing that we can ever show is something is not necessarily the case. But new information, new data, new ways of processing that information is going to always change the way we do things. For example, aspirin. Oh. 
for people over 50 or 51 was forever the standard of care. A beta blocker, which is a type of blood pressure medicine, was always the standard of care. Sometimes I remember, and dude, you were in medical school at the same time. Like when beta blockers were almost the first line therapy, which now is a is a joke. That is like it's such yeah. So, but things change over time. I mean, statins are no longer considered. You know, now we have these elaborate calculators I have to go to online to determine whether or not somebody should be on a statin or not. So, we as physicians who are constantly used to seeing the ebbs and flow of information, and we change our minds as a result of it, and we change our practices. But what about the the non science, non medical oriented society that is confronted with you know? bombardment of messages that for the time were true but then over time eventually changed like for example this meat thing is a classic example well it's the meat thing it's the meat thing it's the fat non-fat yes the, yes that's the, a great yes the, that's the, a great let's vilify the carbs let's do all this other other stuff that's great you know, yeah the 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 only thing we can do is just be forthright with the general public um, and again, we, dun, 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 flying into my lane of health literacy, explain things to people as they come up and be as honest as you possibly can. So you can have honest discussions about it. Well, doc, you said I couldn't eat red meat. Well, there's new studies out there. Well, well and to teach them to say, how big was the study? How, what was the, uh, the, 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 the strength of the, the study? There's a lot of things that are done for marketing purposes and sensationalism, um, that tend to. <laughs> tend to sway things one way or the or the other because otherwise like you were saying it makes you makes you seem as though you don't know what you're talking about right which is crazy which is, yeah, right. right i mean <laughs> and so now what 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 dog griggs and i are essentially talking about is this is that um that there's now studies that are uh, showing that uh with the consumption of red meat, what initially was considered to have been a um, a problematic uh, dietary issue, especially surrounding fats and cholesterol, uh, and just general sense of, uh, of of poor health, they are finding that that's not necessarily the case. But here's the other thing, though, that's really really critical. One is they so read it, yeah. So so before you do, let me just say this. One in their conclusions, they say, I know that that bug that yeah. it just loves you, dude. You are yeah. like well, <laughs> it, it maybe. It loves Benadryl. About, let's perform the yeah. repast now. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's no <laughs> Wait, I think we're going to need to do some CPR on it. <laughs> right, right. So no, no, no. Seriously, um, in the study, they actually say that they didn't have enough numbers yes. to like. So that's another thing about health literacy yeah, is like to, yeah. right. And then, but then the other thing that I think is equally as important is they did not consider the environmental uh, issues, especially with animal husbandry, and how that is completely, completely tied into. Uh, climate change and so I, I i'm just annoyed Ooh. at that study i'm annoyed at that study for multiple reasons and i i just i find it to have been a somewhat problematic study uh largely due to the actual uh the the numbers that they used and also the fact that they did not incorporate into their study the findings of what of of animal husbandry and climate change i mean i said this is basically what you said the prospect of renewed appetite for red meat also runs counter to two other important trends a growing awareness of environmental degradation caused by livestock production and long-standing concern about the welfare of animals employed in industrial farming. So I had an epiphany. Uh, this Saturday, I was in Greensburg, Louisiana with Dr. Calvin Mackey. We were doing stem NOLA. And I was carrying a box fan uh, to the field. This is, a, this is a person who loves boxes? No, no, no. It's a box fan. Box <laughs> fan. We were actually uh, shooting rockets for, uh, for the kids. Really? And they were shooting rockets. And you guys, were, you guys had fans out so, there? Oh, yeah. So I had, uh, when I was walking with 
Henry, uh, one of the uh, college volunteers, um, he started talking about the the young lady that went to the world. We talked about it. Went to the World Health Organization. How dare you? Oh, yeah, that was um, uh, Greta Thunberg. Greta Thunberg. And we just got to that, and we started talking about the whole – I happened to be listening to NPR, and they were talking about the acidification of the oceans. Right. Um, and it's relate to carbon. And I'm like, what the – why is it – And it's also what's, what's destroying like, the what – What's the link between carbon dioxide and the acidification of the, uh, of the ocean? And then it clicked. It's the same thing. If you think of the ocean, and it, when you think about global warming and carbon, our carbon footprint, right? So carbon is one of the greenhouse gases, which means that it uh, lives in the infrared spectrum and means that basically the heat from the sun will be held in, right? So the byproduct of in, in, increased carbon footprint is carbon dioxide, right? Right? Right. So the, what type of water is the ocean? Salt water. Salt water. Mm. So our bloodstream is what type of solution? It's a sodium-based or it's a salt? sodium-based solution. Right. What happens if we hold our breath to our CO2? <laughs> hold on. Let me see. Uh, I can do this for about maybe about 45 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's called respiratory acidosis. <laughs> right. Right? Right. If we increase, if, we, if, we, if we're not careful of the amount of CO2, as we increase the amount of carbon dioxide in the water, once it gets into the salt solution of the ocean, the ocean becomes more acidic. Which means that some of, as I've read, these some of the the animals that protect themselves or crustaceans with the shells, the, the shells get dissolved, decreases the food chain, the whole nine. So if you think about if 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 it's too if it's weird to think about uh, how carbon is acidifying the ocean, think about it in the body. As the CO two goes up, the higher the CO two, when we're taught to read numbers, we we talk about the state of acidosis. It's right. the same. It's the same cycle. Uh, if you can see the earth as a body and our body as a body, you can understand the effects. It's the science of it is amazing and simple, which is why we want to deep. One of the reasons we want to decrease our phone tones on our phone. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> one of the reasons that we want to decrease our carbon footprint. One of the many reasons is, is a, we're holding heat, um, with the, the, the carbon and it's causing things to warm up, which leads to the global warming, but we're acidifying the oceans just like we do in our body when we call respiratory acidosis or when we hold our breath. Uh, that just hit me while I was carrying a box. So, which is amazing. <laughs> so now I'm going to play you, uh, if I can find it. So continue talking because I want to play you something, um, that Alan Grayson, who's a Florida representative, uh, uh, once said, um, that I thought I was going to be able to find it, but I had to while you were no, talking. No, we're good, we're but good. but continue talking. No, the, the the point of it, the matter is that it's just like in everything else in health, we do things. Uh, I said, get checked, get fit, get moving. Oh, go to the doctor, eat healthy, and exercise. But no one puts the dots together. Uh, we're talking about global warming. We're talking about carbon footprint. What does that have to do with the oceans? Why is that? What does that have to do? Is 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 the cow? Are the the cows in the pastures? Are, are they causing the the glaciers to melt? Well, yeah, kinda. Uh, because again, it's a greenhouse gas, which means that we're holding heat, which warms up the temperature. So you're going to end up with a hotter and more acidic ocean, right. which ends up, what you'll end up with is less animals, which is the, the whole biosphere will be. All right. I'm going to play you something that you're going to love because as always, uh, doc, doc Griggs just nails it out of the park. So Alan, great box fan, Alan carrying a box fan. <laughs> a box fan. So this is, I, I hope this actually uh, plays on air. So this is uh, in 2016. Alan Grayson was a very, very, very progressive uh, uh, House of Representative uh, member, uh, and uh, this uh, here, <laughs> Mr. Smith, I, or no, no, Representative Robacher has a test that no CO2 causes hazards. So this is going along to exactly what Doc Griggs was just talking about. Look what Al, Alan Grayson says, and whoa, here we go. 
little bit of Alan Greeson. So here's it's all based on the idea that CO2 is heating our planet. And pushing this theory, this administration's have a tremendous impact on jobs, especially in the coal industry, where we're talking about tens of thousands of jobs that are being lost. I mean, I, I'm very happy to hear we're trying to do something uh, to help them come through a crisis when men and women who have earned a living and supported their families all of are now just being thrown out because of a theory. A theory. Regarding my friend from California and what he just said, uh, if he thinks that carbon dioxide doesn't cause any human health problems, I invite him to put a plastic bag over his head, uh, tie it tightly around his neck, and see what happens next. <laughs> Is that good or what? <laughs> you should have seen Griggs' look. Griggs was looking at me like, what? And then he's like, uh, I see what he's saying. I actually run that on, on WHIV. The, the idea here was, of course, a large part of what we see with uh, climate change is that people uh, uh, consider it to be quote unquote a theory, sort of like the same way that they consider evolution. Instead of this being an understood fact, the yeah. truth yeah. that this is what is happening, science. science that there is still this notion of disbelief. Um, and I mean, I think we're at least moving to the time now where I, it, it's not even worth having conversations with people anymore about this stuff because we just need to like the 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 thing about the conservative party and GOP mostly, is that we spend 80% of our energies just trying to show them that they're wrong in whatever it is that they're thinking about. And I think we just need to stop doing that because they are purposely obstinate so that we spend all this time trying to talk into it, talk them into it, whereas instead of spending 80% of our energy doing the right thing, moving forward... Do you yeah, see you see yeah. with the the objective there they did it with smoking yeah. they do it with um uh they do it with anything i mean with really you know if you even look at antibiotics in the food feed the food feed producers are like nope nothing here yeah. so you know and we know all of europe has stopped putting antibiotics in food feed yeah. yet at the same time their multi-drug resistant bacteria have gone down significantly <laughs> Right, so we we see this happening, uh, and so it's just it, it is you know it's all, and then the same thing with climate change, and all it is it's because capitalism, man, it's capitalism, and it's this need for denying science, it's this need, you know, and this is something that we talk about all the time. A large part of what we talk about on the show, get checked, get fit, get moving, is eating healthy foods. You know, I just got back from Italy. We spent the whole hour almost last month, last week talking That's about fun. how. The food is different because the way the food is manufactured, it's well, there's different. There's no healthy food. There's just food. There's it's just, no organic right, there's no food. Fresh there's food. just food. Right. Right. Fresh food you, food. When you said there's no fresh food, it was such <laughs> just, a great point. It's just, no it's just food. food. <laughs> right? It's not... Right, it's food, right? right. It's right. you know, and like you said, it's not healthy, it's not organic. And the fact that we have those classifications show us where we've kind of... Kind well, of I, I kind of got into it, and I do get in trouble every now and then because I say stuff that people don't think about um this is why we're buddies yeah uh i said there's no such thing as unhealthy foods and i'm like what do you mean i'm like well they were like what do you mean i'm like well what's un more unhealthy to eat or not eat if i gave you a week supply of twinkies or donuts would you live yep what if i took away all your food for three weeks would you die would you get sick yes so there's something in everything the problem is it's it's not unhealthy foods it's unhealthy portions um everyone likes it, 
Everyone likes to vilify something to blame. It's this is why I'm fat. If I stop eating red meat, I've been eating it all my life. I'm not going to, that, that will make me healthy. And they don't realize that it's a lifestyle change. Um, it's not just one thing. It's not just one chicken. It's not just one cow. Uh, it's not just one, well, yeah, well, it's unless, <laughs> unless it's a cashew or a tree nut and right. you have nut allergies. Um, you can, it's hard to pinpoint anything uh, that can make you, uh, make you more healthy. Right. Uh, I always talk about the evolution of our, our, our actually of our anatomy, right? Um, and whether or not you choose to eat Meat is a personal choice, but if you look at the anatomy, and most people uh, were born, evolved to have 32 teeth, um, we have 28 mashers and gnashers, uh, bicuspids, and your, uh, I forgot the name, I'm, I'm on Benadryl right now. Uh, and then you have four. I'm not, and I forgot what they are. <laughs> and you're on four, you have four canine teeth, your Dracula teeth, your pointy teeth. That should just tell you that your body has evolved to eat mostly plants. And vegetables and just a little bit of... You mean as opposed to like what shark's teeth look like, which are like, exactly. that are like nails? You know? I've never seen a shark say, hey, give me an apple. <laughs> so does that mean you're interested in then, uh, let's go uh, scuba diving and let's it's feed... It's not going to uh, happen. Let's go feed the shark some apples. Yeah, you go feed... Right, yeah, you, you do that. <laughs> All those pointy teeth. Uh, I'm pointy to, teeth point to... One day, one day uh, on this show, we're going to come back yeah. and I'm going to... Griggs and I are going to announce that we went shark diving in mexico over the weekend yeah so. yeah yeah wait for that you know that's a great hold, way to get people on, to hold, stay. hold your breath that right? way you'll get people listening to whiv forever stay tuned stay tuned maybe we'll just take the trip and i'll just go shark diving yeah, maybe so you know somebody's got to tell a story <laughs> is that because i'll come back and you'll I'll get even, washed away off no the, no i'll even break? help i'll hold the camera and be like get him get him dude give him an apple Give him the apple. I told you, give him the apple. I come back without a leg and he's like, well, Mark Allen didn't give him the apple. He didn't give him the apple. He still got an apple in his pocket. I told him. He's going to chum the water with apples. Griggs will come back and be like, listen, Derry's not here. He didn't give the shark an apple. We can go interview him in the hospital. Um. Anyway. So, so. So this the study came out as with anything though. So I really want to go back to This is the red meat study. Yeah, go back. Yeah. Let's go back to the sugar and the non-fat back in the 80s, 90s. Was that when it was? Remember that? Jeez. Everything was no fat. It was 90s. Yeah, 90s, 2000s. Yeah, and it tasted disgusting and then they came up with the fat blockers, Olestra that had everybody just just oh, oh yeah, you remember all that right, stuff? Yeah, oh, it's about fat, that. fat, fat. Oh, what about this? Hey, don't eat eggs. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, don't eat because if you eat eggs, you'll get your cholesterol will go up, and then you find yeah. out that. Oh, let's even talk about exercise. So everyone talks. <laughs> you when you're laying down, uh, recuperating from an allergic reaction, you have a lot of Netflix and a lot of reading you can do, right? Um, if you start talking about uh, calorie expenditure, everyone's like, "Oh, let's cut the calories. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to lose weight." Da-da. Sixty to seventy percent of your the calorie expenditure is based on this thing called basal metabolic rate. And that means what it caught, what the, 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 the rate of your metabolism for your body to just exist and live. So even if you're doing nothing, your body's still you're, expending you're, calories. Your body's about, yes, it's still expending calories. If you want to lose weight, you need to stop eating so much. 
Right. I mean, I often say, but I mean, like, but look at you and I, like, I mean, we eat very healthy, we yeah. exercise pretty regularly, yeah. but we still end up, you know, having to buy an exercise larger the next year and stuff. Yeah. And even though we are, so there, there is a basic metabolism that, that occurs, uh, that I never believed in, to be honest with you, right. because I always, you know, run yoga, yeah. right. And then, and I eat, this is the least I've ever eaten in my life. And I'm still wow. like, you know, adding inches uh, around the waist, and it's just, it's frustrating. It's just a shift in metabolism yeah. as you age. Now, if you're able to tap into it, and and uh, somehow the, the, here's the other problem, the other oxymoron, right? Uh, you want to lose weight, so you start exercising more, that causes you to eat more. Right, of course that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's oxymoron and or catch twenty two, right? Yeah, right, right. I'm gonna lose weight, or you make the mistake that a lot of people make. I'm just going to exercise more and eat less, and they end up passing out. Right. Hold on. So I went and did a Orange <laughs> Theory class uh, last week. Have you done one before? Nope. Dude, it's really intense. But here's like, for, and first of all, I have my opinions about them. Uh, it, like, it's a hard sell. You can't just drop in and do a class. It's like forty bucks. It's the, it's a it's a business. But capitalism. It, it, it's act- capitalism. Yeah. Hashtag capitalism. But one of the things like they say, uh, which is somewhat dubious, is that. After you do an Orange Theory workout, that you'll continue to burn calories up to like seventy-two hours later. Come on, man! And I'm like, well, I, th- no, you will, because you're burning calories. Your basal metabolic rate. You're going to be burning calories no matter right, yeah. what. Right? <laughs> oh, they got you. <laughs> <laughs> ah, read what the, read between the lines. You got to read that sixteen point font. Yeah, board yeah, right, right, right. right. Six <laughs> that is sixteen year old can read. No, it, it's so. I mean, and that's another thing too, folks. Is you have to like. I just kind of like lifted an eyebrow, and I'm like, really? Like after you do a specific Orange Theory workout, oh, yeah. you're going to continue burning calories, and it, you will, you know, and you will, as Doc Griggs is saying, as you would have done if you just sat at home on your couch <laughs> watching Netflix. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, uh, it, it, it is a good workout. It's an intense workout. It yeah. really is. Um, and it's not for the faint heart. You should already have a, a, a fair level of exercise. Talk what you to do. your doctor before you sign up for anything. Right. Well, there's that too. Yeah. Really yeah. I mean. But, um, but, you know, somebody like yourself that runs marathons and stuff and you'll be able to handle it, but yeah. it's very intense. But the, the claim that they will, that you will continue to burn calories yeah, yeah. at, that folks, if it sounds too good to be true, guess Doc, what? But Doc, it's a fact. You're going to burn calories. <laughs> if it's too good to be true, it probably is. If you're tuned in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. This is the Get Check, Get Fit, Get Moving show with Doc Riggs and Dr. Derry. It's a pleasure to be here. So, dude, let's shift over to Hep C. Yep, let's go. Um, so uh, this, uh, this uh, uh, today marks the day, the beginning of uh, what's called the LIPS conference uh, that the state health department is putting on. First time the state health department is putting on such a conference, uh, so it's super exciting. Uh, and uh, and today, one of the one of the topics that are going to be talked about that I'm actually going to be doing with uh, Miss Amelia Myers, who's one of the state's leaders on Hep C, Hepatitis C, is uh, she's going to be rolling out some of the uh, guidelines. Uh, that are relevant to uh, how hep C is being treated in the state. So as you know, the state health secretary, Dr. Rebecca Gee. Dr. Gee, who uh, I want, I'm going to get to come on our show. Yeah, yeah. Please, that yeah. would be great. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Rebecca Gee, uh, who recently uh, was able to cut a deal with one of the drug manufacturers, uh, Gilead, that makes the uh, some of the hep C medications. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, it's called Epclusa. Now, the thing with these hepatitis C medications is that they are 
really expensive. Yeah, I'm talking like <laughs> luxury vehicle. Re- no, 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 no. Yeah, we're like, talking like, like, like multiple luxury. Yeah, yeah like yeah. really, yeah. really eighty thousand yeah. dollars expensive. I mean, some of these. So, the, of course, when you are looking at people who are being treated for hepatitis C, we're seeing a strong sense of inequality, right? Because yeah. people who can afford eighty thousand dollars for hepatitis C or that have insurance policies that uh, allow them to get that treatment versus people who can't afford. Mm -hmm. Now, you have a small amount of people who can't afford, and you have a large amount of people who can't afford. It's those people who can't afford that this project or this program was really geared toward. It's really geared toward everybody, but really, as as the state likes to say, the E in elimination stands for equity. Mm -hmm. And so... Equity means everybody. Just that's so right. I'm using that term in the community so people got understand. it. Yeah. But and but, we, but also let's explain the difference between equality and equity. Equality is when everybody gets the same thing. Equity is the idea that not everybody necessarily needs the same thing. Some people need a little bit more. Some people need a little less. And we address those people who need a little bit more to make sure that everybody at the end has the same. Equality doesn't necessarily mean equal quality. <laughs> There's that too. (laughs) It's excellent, dude. (laughs) As always. (laughs) That's very good. Um, Equity means sets a standard. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, um, and so the idea here then is to give all people, especially those that are on Medicaid, yeah. uh, and also those that are in the Department of Corrections. And yeah. that's a really important thing as well. So this way, when folks ideally and hopefully leave, because that's really what a society should be doing is allowing for rehabilit- rehabilitation and then leaving, uh, the carceral system, that they will not then already be behind because they may have advanced to something like hepatocellular carcinoma, which which is one of the feared complications of hepatitis C. Hepatitis C, for folks that don't know, so people can say it very plainly, is one of one of the viruses, one of the diseases, one of the viruses that can give you cancer, liver cancer. Right. You come out of your prison sentence and you are starting over. And I actually, um, we actually interviewed someone, and we uh, got a high school diploma for him. He was wrongfully uh, in prison and it was in for thir- thirty years. And he got out. He didn't get a chance to graduate from high school. We got a high school diploma for him. And this was before this Gilead, the drugs. And he passed away from liver cancer. We actually had, it's tough to say, but Nancy uh, Parker, we did the story together years ago. And he passed away before we could even get the story out. So this is a very big, big, huge deal, not just for those that are previously incarcerated. Hepatitis C is in the non-incarcerated population as well. And everyone should have equity. Everyone should have access to the treatment, they really should. And 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 if you think about this, uh, and we'll we'll jump back to Hep C in a second. But if you think about how we are demanding equal access yeah. to Hep C medications, and Louisiana is the first state in the nation to do this. Think about this: we're the first state in the nation to do this. Then shouldn't that be the case for diabetic medications? Shouldn't yeah. that be the same same case for mental health treatment? Shouldn't that be the same case to get your feet fixed so that you can actually walk, so you can get your uh, uh, corns repaired so this way it doesn't hurt when you when you walk on your feet or you know for kids to get I went Doc Griggs had me go and do a, uh, a oh, school yeah, a school event in which I screened several hundred children for which at first he was like I'm gonna do eye screenings he had no idea that there was that level of pathology in I the- was shocked to see the level of pathology 
of, and I screened. I mean, do you have a number? Was it like, it was like 150, 250? Yeah, about, about 200. 200 kids, yeah. 200 kids showed up, and this was for health screenings. They had their mouths looked at for dental care. Yeah. yeah, they had their eyes checked, and they also got, um, uh, and they also got some backpacks stuffed with school supplies. So an amazing event. Greg's like, you got to come. I was like, all right, I'll be there. And sure enough, I screened almost 200 kids for uh, visual uh, uh, abnormalities, and I would say 70%. Had some visual abnormality of one thing or another. So, and you wonder why they can't read, or they can't. Yes, you wonder I mean, why yeah. they can't read. Yeah. You wonder why there's disturbances. <laughs> you understand why kids can't. are constantly frustrated. You, yeah. you wonder because we don't. We are not starting from that e- equal quality. Right there, we uh, go. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> Thank you. I Bam. thought you would like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, I I don't know if when we were younger it was just commonplace to always go to the do- eye doctor once a year, and now. Now, because everything, because when you touch the healthcare system, everything is so expensive now. I mean, my wife got a procedure done uh, last year, and we're still getting these outrageous bills for them. I mean, anytime you touch the healthcare system, there's these outrageous bills that end up coming, and so that needs to go away. And that really is Medicare for you know all. What the, I can remember though, in school, we would have regular the school nurse. They'd check our eyes, and there was. Yeah, they school would, nurse, laugh with me. Nurse, How? Right. Yeah, they would do all, right, 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 right. Laugh right, with me, right, right. Right, right? The school nurse was actually somebody who was like that. That was the big deal, and in, in big deal, she was see the nurse. Right. <laughs> he must be really sick, right? Yeah. So uh, you gotta lay down on that green cot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I> remember that. <laughs> Yeah. There was Griggs. He had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now he had, uh, had asthma attacks all the time. I was man, it was rough. <laughs> Week, weekly shots for allergies. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. PTSD, man. Yeah, I can tell, man. <laughs> You're reliving it as Ace we even speak. Adverse childhood events. <laughs> so, so uh, essentially, I, I think that what Doctor Gee has done with his so-called subscription model, where we're doing five years of unlimited amounts of hepatitis C medications for state, um, that it needs to be extended to all elements of healthcare, including dental, vision, uh, uh, podiatry, uh, and of course, mental health. But some, a couple of really key things to think about um, is one is that if uh, if the um, if we didn't if we weren't in the situation that we're in now where we're actually going to cure as many cases as possible for hepatitis C, Doc Griggs, look at this. This is where we would be in terms of mortality versus where we are uh, projected to go right now. Wow. And so wow. the isn't that dramatic? <laughs> so what I'm showing Doc Griggs is a graph of how dramatic the uh, uh, hepatitis C treatments are and how the mortality is going to be significantly decreased as a result of uh, uh, of the treatments for hepatitis C. So the, everybody has to get diagnosed with hepatitis C if you have it, and if you do have it, uh, you uh, it's very, very easy to be treated, uh, and certainly Dr. Griggs and I are, are happy uh, uh, to do so. But the other thing that I think that was important for Dr. Griggs that he said is that there are a couple viruses that we know that cause cancer, and hepatitis C is certainly one of those. And another one that causes cancer is HPV, which fortunately we have a vaccine for. And the cancer that that causes is uh, cervical cancer yep. as well as a rectal uh, uh, cancer, uh, especially amongst men who have sex with men. Uh, you talk about kicking up a stink when you wanted to give the vaccine for that. Boy, that was, man, whoo. That fight there. (laughs) 
<laughs> I shouldn't laugh. I'm just saying. <laughs> That fight. <laughs> I was just talking about keep, keep, keep going, man. <laughs> Talk through it. <laughs> uh, I thought it was well timed. The joke stunk. <laughs> that joke stunk. Jesus Christ. I'm on a Benadryl roll today, man. Um, yeah, see, (laughs) we're trying to be serious. I'm just saying, do you remember the fight, dude? Do you remember that? Do you remember? Um, I think, I mean, it was here. I think I could find this. So, talk about so this was who was the um. Who who was it? It was the she was a representative up in uh, Minnesota when she and she was actually running for president for a very short period of time uh, in the uh, I think in the second uh, Barack uh, Obama term. It's so be twenty sixteen, I think, no twenty fourteen, um, and uh, and Bachman, yeah, Bachman, Bachman, and how like the and and uh, the the. The release of the HPV vaccine was insane because this is a vaccine that has a hundred percent efficacy. Yeah. I've never seen anything in medicine. The only other thing in medicine that I've ever seen that has as close to a hundred percent are the Hep C treatments. Funny enough, yeah. you know yeah. that the Hep C treatments are at almost ninety five percent, but the the HPV vaccine, which should be given to everybody, period. But yeah. and they, and they've just increased the age rates as well. So now so people is- to mid forties now. Wow. So it's just it's just everybody should just needs to be on the yeah. HPV vaccine. Yeah. It prevents four serotypes or what are referred to as isotypes of uh, of uh, the HPV virus, mm-hmm. which will then prevent the likelihood in both men and women. Because women have the cervixes, but men are also the uh, the vectors of the of the virus. They yep. carry they carry the the virus. You go ahead. I'm going to see if I can find this. No, real no, quick. So I was just talking about it. it was just a big thing, especially because you were talking about giving it to kids, and they didn't want to put those ideas in the kids' heads, and there was no guarantee. I mean, it was a big it was a big push. Of I mean, this this could this could turn into a big rabbit hole about vaccinations. I right, mean, all kinds of. Uh, let's just not even. I had last week again. I had to talk about the measles outbreak. Then right. I was talk, trying to get people to get their flu shots. I'm like, do you really realize the reason that they come up with these vaccines is because people die, right? <laughs> Literally die right, right, from right, of these course. diseases. If you, if you want to look at other countries where they don't have vaccines available, you look at the numbers of mortality, right? Uh, in those countries, the numbers speak for themselves, I right? Mean, just if. if if it's something that you don't personally want to do, you have to think about everyone else because it's called herd immunity. Right. And uh, and again, we don't want to go down the vaccine. No, 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 because uh, that's, that's a big, that's a whole but, show. Uh, okay. All right. The I, I think this, uh, but Michelle, her name was Michelle Bachman, and she just, she let me see if how long this video goes for, but her uh, ability to be just profoundly, um, and the way that a lot of politicians are, the way that they're just so profoundly, uh, uh, ig- is it ignorant? Is it, is it, well, no, I is mean, it? You have to be careful with the term ignorant. Ignorance means you haven't been exposed or you don't know any better. Uh, okay. I'm ignorant to the process of how to change a carburetor or if they even put carburetors in cars anymore. <laughs> anymore. Not in an electric car. <laughs> they don't <laughs> do that. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. So I'm ignorant to that, that, that genre of, of science. Got it. But. 
if you don't know any better, I mean, I don't know. That's a different. I don't. You don't. I won't say it's, it's not dumb. It's not stupid. It's just I guess you're you're ignoring. I don't know what you call it. Uh, right. So a couple other things about Hep C. It, it disproportionately affects the um, what we refer to as the baby boomer generation, yeah. and that's notable because that was where um, you have uh, the highest rates of uh, of Hep C that was in the bloodstream. And uh, in, in, in the early 90s is when they ultimately recognized this entity called Hep C. Now, when you and I were in medical school, oh, do you remember what they used to call it? They used to call it non-A, non-B hepatitis. Yeah. And I was like, even, just say C? Right, right. I was an infectious diseases doc, you know, <laughs> med student. I, I knew I was going into ID, right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and I'm not the smartest dude around. I'm okay, but, but I was like... You're pretty smart. Yeah, I was like, I why don't you just call it... Hepatitis C, right? <laughs> but we used to have to say non A, non B, hepatitis. Right, yeah. And there was a chart. Yeah, right, and it was non A. So once they discovered uh, the antibody for hepatitis C, they were able to then tra- uh, um, uh, determine that it was in the bloodstream. And once they were able to determine it was the bloodstream, they were able to screen the blood better. Uh, and of course, at that point, they were able to pull it out of the bloodstream, and uh, and uh, and the number of cases fell dramatically. Yeah, they did. And then the the reason why we sustained hepatitis C is that it's it's it is transmitted so effectively uh, via IV drug use. Yeah. And so the second epidemics that that we're seeing right now are amongst IV drug users. And and then the, the the next thing to consider too is actually uh, the the in the U.S. like most infectious diseases, they are uh, relegated to communities uh, of either color or poverty. And mm-hmm. and what community uh, experiences both uh, poverty and uh, to such a high degree, and that is of course those that are in the Native American. Yep communities and so the native americans are uh, or first nation peoples have the highest rates of hepatitis c and this is 100% largely due to the fact uh that um that the uh native americans are relegated to some of the worst lands in the us mm-hmm. that were not able to be tilled they weren't able to be uh farmed uh and when you uh look at economic downturns is is when you also see higher levels of drug use yep. and so when you look at a place that's chronically impoverished so after i did uh medical school chronically after i did after yeah. i did residency i went and did a public health uh paid off my public health scholarship i got a full scholarship through medical school um and to pay it off i had to repay the government so i went to a government-based facility called uh, uh the indian health services in uh in the navajo nation of uh of Northern Arizona. And so I lived on the Navajo lands and it was in for four years and it was intense and it was very like the poverty was beyond belief. And I remember like my first or second day I tried to give somebody some insulin and they, um, they pushed it back uh, sometimes you have to have translators because some mm-hmm. of these old elderly don't, don't they right. speak. Uh, they don't They're speak. Tongue. Yeah, they speak Navajo mm-hmm. or what they refer to as Dene. Dene is the actual. So Shema and Shache are these older people. Shema is the grandmother. Shache is grandfather. So they would push back, you know, the prescription for insulin. They'd be like, I can't have that. And the translator would explain to me, they're like, this this old lady or this Shema lives in a hogan. A hogan is a traditional, um, like mud. Uh, based mm-hmm. kind of like uh, dwelling, so a, a to dwelling, like mm-hmm. a hut, right? And no electricity, no running water. 
Wow. Think about that. that in in the U.S., it. like in, no running water, no electricity, no financial commitments to the First Nation peoples uh, of of this country that have been relegated to these lands uh, um, that are now, of course, now of great interest to capitalists who are putting their pipelines through their waters and through their lands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the government's always like, oh, you're sovereign over your own lands, you're sovereign over your own lands until actually we need it. Then they'll claim... They yeah what are they what's it called when they government can take something, something it's um annex it. yeah and uh, which is supposed to be for the public good but these are actually they're you know exploiting that that rule uh, eminent domain eminent domain eminent domain and so but when you look at poverty I mean I always say that poverty is just basically uh, race uh, either either racism or discrimination codified into law mm-hmm. if we wanted to we could turn around poverty. Uh, right away, but unfortunately uh, we don't and we can't and we, we haven't done that. But when you look at hepatitis C, you're really looking at uh, uh, the baby boomer generation, you're really looking at people who have used IV drugs at least once in their lifetime, and you're looking at uh, some of the poorest people in the country including the First Nation peoples who have the highest rates of, of hepatitis so uh, hepatitis C. And so being able to go through and actually start curing uh, folks is really exciting. Any thoughts about any of that? No, no. I'm, I'm just want to know more. Keep going. This is your wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> this is, so, I, I mean, a couple of things to, to consider as well is that 50% of people living with hep C don't know they have, uh, they have hepatitis C. What are the signs and symptoms? There are, there are none. Ah. Unless you are at end stage, you know, unless you have, you know, uh, something along the lines of, of where um, you are, uh, have a cirrhosis, ascites, yep. uh, your belly gets full of fluid. You your start eyes to, get yellow, your belly gets full of fluid. Your skin uh, gets yellow. Your skin gets yellow, yeah, your feet swell. Yeah, you start having difficulty breathing because your lungs are compressed because the diaphragm is um, being pushed up because it's full of uh, fluid in your belly, and you're really experiencing so what would some make, early signs of liver failure. What would make someone think to go ask? Like, what are there behaviors? What brings it to someone's attention? Yeah, you know, by the time that the behavioral changes happen, the family have, uh, will bring somebody in because that's when you start to have uh, the higher levels of ammonia uh, mm-hmm. in your system, and, and you start to kind of act goofy. Yep. But you are already... You know, most people have gone to the doctor already because they can't breathe, they can't move around, their mm-hmm. belly is just massively swollen. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're sick because the liver really is one of the you know every organ is important in the body. the The liver's function is to basically uh, process out uh, toxic metabolite uh, um, um, metabolites. I mean, it's and, not that it's not that stuff. If I put it and put my feet in the water, just clear all the toxins out. <laughs> I can't, all, all tox- I can't do a fast and get the tox- a detox yeah, diet. Yeah, yeah, dude, you, could do, you could do a colonoscopy. <laughs> you can colon- get a, yeah. do do, like, a serial uh, colonoscopy. No, 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 not even a serial. Col- colonic. Colonic, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's detox. I'm going to clean my system out. I'm going to detox. Yeah. Yeah, that, that I, went, I went to California for a meeting, <laughs> and uh, it was uh, it, there was this breakout. I was giving a lecture, so I just decided so, wait, to hold on. They were giving colonics on a breakout. No, 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 no. So <laughs> I went to one of the breakouts, and it was like it looked a little woo woo. But yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna go check this out. Yeah. And this lady pulls out these like magnetic mats, oh, yeah. and she have you heard about these? Uh, I know about the magnets. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, these magnetic mats, and you step on them, and like, or you you and can sleep on them, or you land. And I'm for like, 1999. I'm like you. 
you are talking to a room of doctors right. and like they were all just sitting and listening and i'm like listen i love california i'm from california yeah. you know i think yeah. that what california's doing right now how they're standing up right. against the president yeah. is awesome all gavin newsom is awesome and all yeah, that stuff yeah, but yeah. oh some of that stuff yeah. is a little woo-woo for me a lot like, of a lot of woo-woo oh, just, uh, i can understand hugging a tree hugging trees i'm cool with but <laughs> we're gonna detox step up step on this mat and this magnet right. and then put your put your foot in this water right. here and then the water is gonna turn brown and you'll know by dropping a tablet in it. It happens yeah. to be food color. Listen, uh, th- listen. For most people listening, go walk in a field with a box fan. You'll have some inspiration. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You're a pivotal moment. Bing! One want- minute, one minute you're walking in a field with a box fan. The next minute, you understand global <laughs> warming. warming. Yeah, and it, it all makes sense. <laughs> I recommend more people try it. <laughs> For those of you that are tuning in, you're listening to WHIV. This is the Get Chat, Get Fit, Get Moving show. At the beginning of the show, uh, Doc Griggs uh, <laughs> told us about this amazing uh, epiphany when it comes to a uh, carbon uh, while he was carrying a fan uh, out to the uh, to a field where he shot rockets. And it, it, yeah, shot rockets. Yeah. <laughs> it, it all makes sense. Uh, uh, hepatitis C. So as after cases have gone down for such a long time, they've gone up again. And the reason why we're seeing this unprecedented hepatitis C outbreak right now is because of the opioid epidemic. And what, what's the relationship? And so the relationship between the opioid epidemic and uh, and hepatitis C is, is a very simple one. Uh, it's not simple in terms of people's lives, but certainly in explaining it. And what happened was the uh, drug companies, in particular there was a drug company called Purdue Pharma, and what they did is they made this very, very, very powerful opioid called oxycontin and oxycontin was just basically oral morphine or it was just an oral by oral i'm meaning it's a pill Mm -hmm. uh it was the probably the cleanest opioid slash i'm going to use a slang term right now to describe it but it was like heroin in a pill and people became massively addicted to oxycontin and so a lot of the uh pharmaceuticals uh, or purdue pharmacy in particular kind of uh used a lot of very deceptive marketing practices to get to doctors uh we see this a lot that's happening uh, in medicine right now uh and so uh and a lot of docs when when doc griggs and i graduated from medical school yeah. and started residency yeah. the idea of sending somebody home with oral opioids did not even that wasn't even close to becoming a thing for us. And then, uh, of course, what happened was in the nine uh, in the two thousands, they started to refer to pain as the fifth vital sign, yeah, and that go. was the disaster. Uh, of them all yep. and so uh, w- now in about four years ago there became this huge awareness of this epidemic of opioids uh, and too many opioids in the community and you had a lot of doctors like myself that stopped writing for those patients, your life get threatened yeah, and, pay, and people really want. Yeah, they really want those meds. So what do they do when they're not getting them from their doctors anymore? They turn to the streets, yep. and then that's when they turn to the streets. This is when you start to see the using of intravenous uh, 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 products, and so which pushes us back to our IV drugs and our Hep C's, right? To which pushes us back to our IV drugs and Hep C's and all blah, blah, that blah. stuff. So uh, here, one of the most remarkable things to think about is if you use. Uh, 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 IV drugs for less than 10 years, you have a 66% chance of, of getting hepatitis C. If you use for 30 years or more, you have a 100% chance of getting wow. hepatitis C. Wow. Wow. So uh, the, the, the connection between IV drugs 
and hepatitis C are, in fact, they're called, it's called a syndemic. And a syndemic is when you have two uh, uh, epidemics happening simultaneously, which one fuels the other. So So it's like synergy in epidemics. So it's called syndemic. And they're referring to it as the opioid hepatitis C syndemic. That's tough. And it's, I mean, and and we have seen, you know, chart after chart, data after data, science after science, showing that there have been these significant increases of uh, of um, uh, significant increases of of hepatitis uh, uh, of opioid use as well as hepatitis C, mm-hmm. and and there's one um, that I really want to show you. I don't know. This is the one I want to show you. This is uh, what I'm showing. Doc Griggs is. The the red dots are the number of uh, overdoses that have happened, and so this was a New York Times uh, um, uh, infographic. So in 1999, there was hardly any opioid uh, uh, overdoses, yeah. and when you look at 2015, the whole country is blanketed, especially when you are looking at the western uh, uh, part of the country as well mm-hmm. as the southern part of the country and Florida uh, as well have all experienced record number opioid overdoses and in fact we've talked about this before in how that has significantly increased I'm sorry significantly decreased the uh, age of um, the expected life expectancy of of uh, human beings in, in the US and so uh, um, it, what, what we really need to consider and in the state of Louisiana the uptick of hepatitis C has been dramatic yeah, it's, it's, the, the slope <clears throat> is wow it, it, I mean, it is just dramatic, yes. and so, um, so we years. really are at at a point in our uh, uh, we're really at a point in our um, uh, in our lives where we can actually do something really, really significant. And so, what Louisiana is doing, and today, what what is so significant about what the state is doing is the opportunity for us uh, to be able to cure. Uh, everybody with with hepatitis C, but the, before we we sign off, if we got about three minutes here, let me just say this: that that we can actually go one step deeper. How do we prevent hepatitis C from happening in the first place? And that's the most important thing. You know, if you look at what we've done with HIV in the last thirty years or so, we have done some remarkable work making it a chronic condition now, right? By giving people really education. effective medications, education. But now we've moved way into the idea of prevention, right? Mm-hmm. Like with PrEP. So what would be the equivalent of PrEP for hepatitis C? Well, that would be something called harm reduction. And that that talks about how do we meet people where they are, something that Doc Greg says all the time. Yeah. Meeting people where they are is like, don't, you know, if somebody wants to continue using IV drugs, well, that's their business. That's your business. Right? I, as a physician, I could say that's probably not a smart thing to do. You may have risk from hurting yourself, but if you want to continue using IV drugs or if you can't stop or if this is not an ideal time, here are some clean needles. So yeah. needle syringe yeah. uh, programs are very important, right? Yeah. The other thing, too, is that that people take uh, and they 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 go to these uh, pain medications because they're in pain. Well, what if we had alternative sources of pain medications, alternative like, treatments, right? Yeah. Like, how about medical cannabis? Yeah. And how about legalizing cannabis and using medical cannabis? And what we've seen, and what I I have in this slide deck, I'm going to present later on today uh, in a couple, actually in an hour and a half, yeah. um, is how the use of medical cannabis has significantly not only decreased overdose deaths and 
opioid use in, in, in have not has significantly decreased opioid overdoses in states that have medical cannabis mm-hmm. on their books, uh, but has also decreased the rates of entry or admissions into rehab for opioid use disorder because people are shifting over to to marijuana. And then the last big preventative entity is the idea of safe injection facilities or safe injection Mm -hmm. sites. And this is places where people can go, they inject uh, there safely, so not running from the police. If they have an overdose, they're able to use Narcan immediately on site. site. There's never been a loss of a death at a safe injection facility. It increases the potential for potential rehab, and 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 forty at uh, one site in in in, uh, in in British Columbia, they had forty two thousand referrals to social services, housing, this sort of stuff, and they also got something like eight hundred admissions to opioid use to rehabs uh, as well. So uh, we have thirty seconds. So uh, those are the things. Uh, we're at a, an incredibly uh, important time for the use of hepatitis C, uh, not only for treatment but for prevention. And so, Doc Griggs, last words. Up, oh, get checked. Get fit, get moving. Let's see how next week. <laughs> and get treated for hepatitis C, right? Yeah, right, right. And carry a box fan. Yeah. <laughs> carry a box fan, and you'll be inspired. Uh, we're going to be uh, tapping right into the Real News Network. So thank you guys very much. Thank you, uh, Eric. We'll see you next week. Yeah.